Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so it takes somebody who knows to help you to know what you don't know, right? It takes somebody who knows to help you know what you don't know. Understand that as far as God is concerned, He has set you in the earth to bring about His purposes. He has set you in the earth with a purpose, with a destiny that you must fulfill. But for you to fulfill that destiny, God has set people in your life, has set fathers, I would say, in your life to bring you to the place where you are supposed to get into. Suppose you're on level number three and you need to get to level number six. Well, level number three, you only know things of level number three. You don't understand things of level number four. Level number five, you don't even have an idea, let alone level number six. You need somebody on a higher level to take you to the next level in your life. And this is something that we find in Scripture. It's something that we find even in life. It's just the way things work for you to, to, to be where you are. There are people that have invested in your life. There are people that have spoken into your life, people that have inspired you, that have taken you to where you are and to have the kind of ambitions and the kind of things that you want to do in your life. So the, the idea of fathering is something that is very much built into the whole of life. Something that actually comes from God because it is God who started this whole thing. And so God expects that for us to move on to the next level in our destinies, there's going to be somebody that will usher us into that next level of our destiny. See, God has appointed fathers in your life to, to the next level. Now, when I say fathers, I mean, yes, natural fathers, but I also mean people that will help you in the various areas of your life. You have a professional life. You have a scholar's life, or if you're a student or something like that. But in every area, there are people that God has set to help you to go to the next level so that you bring about the purpose of God in your life. Tell your neighbor, God has opened doors for you through fathering. Tell the other neighbor, God has opened doors for you through fathering. So what is this fathering about? What is the nature of this fathering? I think in this passage where we find Paul writing to his uh, son or his child in the Lord, Timothy, we have an idea of what this fathering is about. In fact, it shows us four things about what fathering in a biblical sense is about. Number one, I want you to, to know that fathering is following. Number one, fathering is following. Following a life. Following a life. Not just following uh, something that you, you, you read. No, no. When it comes to fathering, it is really following a life. And, and here, I know there, there, there are such terms as mentors, coaches. No, fathering is of a deeper nature. You have coaches, you have mentors, you, you can read books, you can watch things that are, going, you know, that are going to teach you things and stuff like that. But when it comes to fathering, it's following a life. Watch what it says in verse number 10 of chapter number 3 of Second uh, Timothy. It says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Now, I want you to watch Paul starts off by saying, you, however. So, however is a contrast, isn't it? 
So there's a contrast that's being made here from verses 1 up until verse number 9. Paul has been talking about false teachers who creep into, 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 uh, into houses, women's houses, and seduce them, who are saying that they're preaching the truth, but the way that they live their lives is not consistent with what they're preaching. They're false teachers and false prophets. And so he says, listen, Timothy, you, you're, you're not meant to be like that. He says, you, however, you have followed my teaching. You have followed my conduct, my behavior. You have conduct my, you followed my aim in life, my purpose in life, my ambition or the, the vision that I have. You have followed that. And my faith and my patience and my love and my steadfastness. In other words, Timothy, you know me. You have been with me. You have lived with me. In Acts chapter number 16, it's when Paul uh, gets Timothy to be part of his apostolic group. Because that's a time at the end of chapter number 15 that there's a sharp division between Barnabas and Paul because of, the, of John Mark, who was a cousin of Barnabas. And John Mark, at some point in time, had deserted Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul decided that, no, we're not going to go with that guy again. Right? And so they parted ways. They, 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 they had a misunderstanding. And so that's when Paul gets Timothy. Timothy was already a believer. He was recommended to Paul as somebody that he can take with him and can serve with him. And so Timothy's father had been uh, somebody that was a Gentile, and so Timothy needed to be circumcised because Paul's ministry would usually go to the Gentiles, and then afterwards, he, I mean, go to the Jews, and then afterwards he goes to the Gentiles. And so he didn't want Timothy to be somebody that would not be accepted by the Jews. And so he circumcised him, not because it was necessary that he should be circumcised, but because for the mission to be accepted by the Jews, he would be accepted only if he was circumcised. And so that's how Timothy comes into Paul's life. And so he has followed, he has followed the life of Paul. And Paul says something in verse number 11. He says, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Now Paul is pointing to events that happened in Acts chapter number 13. He had gone to an, a place called Antioch. Now there are two Antiochs in chapter number 13. There's Antioch and then there's Antioch of Pisidia. So he had gone to the Antioch of Pisidia, preached the word there, and usually he would start preaching at the synagogue with the Jews, and then afterwards, you know, the Gentiles would come, or, the, or he would invite the Gentiles. And he had such a great success preaching the word there that the, the Jewish elders did not like that. And so they chased him from that place, and he goes to another place. So he moves from Antioch, and he goes to Iconium. When he gets to Iconium, starts preaching again, starts, has the very same success. And then the Jews from Antioch, they came and chased him from there again. And then he ends up in Lystra. And then when he ends up in Lystra, starts preaching again. Very same thing. This time around, though, those Jews, when they, they come, they stone him, and they leave him for dead. And only when the disciples come, gather around him, pray for him, that's when he resurrects. I believe that Paul had died. And he resurrects from the dead. What would you think he would do after that? What would you do if people stoned you for preaching the word of God and you, and you died and then you rose again? I mean, what is it that you're going to do? Would you go back preaching? That's exactly what Paul did. In fact, not only did he go back preaching, he went back to the very same cities. <laughs> So Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, you have seen me. You know what I'm about. You know the thing that is on my heart. You know me. So you don't be like those people. 
He says, you've seen my persecutions. Paul was persecuted. You've seen my endurance. See, a father is somebody that you see their lives up close. Amen. A mentor, a coach can only give you advice. I mean, they need not, you need walk in their footsteps. But when it comes to the father, it is somebody that you share, I would say, the spiritual DNA. Because Timothy, when Paul is talking about, when he's writing the Corinthians, he says, listen, uh, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send to you, Timothy, my son, my child, and he's going to teach you all my ways. In other words, if I send Timothy, it's as good as me coming there. The Philippians, he says the very same thing. He says, you know how Timothy has served me as a child serves his father. And I'm, going, and I'm sending him to you so that he can teach you all my ways. See, Christianity falls and stands on fathering on discipleship. The Great Commission, which is the commission that Christ gave us, Matthew chapter number 28, verses 18 to 20. Others have called it the Great Omission because it's the one thing we don't do. It says, go ye into all the world and make disciples. Make students. That's what disciple also means. Make students of all the nations. What is the Great Commission about? The Great Commission is about discipleship. Another heart of discipleship is fathering. Again, Paul tells Timothy, the truths that you have heard me speak in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust those truths to faithful men who will also entrust those truths to other faithful men. I want you to watch this. Paul is saying, I'm first generation. You, Timothy, are second generation. You are going to find a third generation of faithful men, and those faithful men will also find a fourth generation of faithful men. See, that's how this thing grows. That's how Christianity moves from one place to another. It's about discipleship. It's about fathering. At the heart of discipleship is this idea of fathering. And so Timothy has seen the life of Paul. And Paul continues, verse number 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow. Paul, I thought that when I become a Christian, everything is going to be double or double. Everything is just going to work out. But now that I'm connected to, to Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm a son of the king, I'm a daughter of the king, so now everything is going to work out. I'm going to get that breakthrough, I'm going to get the job, I'm going to get the contract, things are just going to work out for me. Ah, uh, not exactly. In fact, the moment that you came onto the side of Jesus is the moment that the, you say to the enemy that you are my enemy. And that's why Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not may be, will be. So there you are in your office. And everybody is doing what everybody is doing nowadays. They are cash-gating and doing all sorts of things. And you start refusing that, no, I'm not going to get any of that money. I'm not going to bribe. I'm not going to be bribed. Guess what? You are going to be persecuted. They will get you out of that office. They will find a reason for you to be fired. You want to do business with them and you won't give them a bribe, they won't give you that contract. 
You start saying, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I do not do that. You start living for Christ. You start showing the gospel in action in your business. You will be persecuted. That's what Paul is saying. Indeed, all who desire, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. So evil people will go on from bad to worse. Bad to worse from our perspective. From their perspective, it's not bad to worse. From their perspective, they're wallowing in more money and more money and more money. As they're bribing more, they're getting more. As they're getting more, they have more influence. But they're deceived. So they're deceiving others, but they themselves are being deceived. And so watch what Paul is saying. He's saying, Timothy, you cannot live your life like that. And remember here, Paul, when he's writing this letter, this is probably the last letter of Paul. He's writing from jail. And he knows he's going to be killed. So this must be very important stuff for Timothy to hear because probably there won't be any other letter after this letter going to anybody from Paul. Here's my question. Who's fathering you? Who's fathering you? Who's helping you move from this level to get to the next level? Do you think you can do that by yourself? Only children think so. Only kids think so. When you come at a point of maturity, you start understanding, you know, I really need to get there, but I just have no idea how I'm going to get there. May I ask you this year, please, may you find fathers in your life. May you find those that will help you in your spiritual life. May you find those that will, who will take you by the hand and help you pray and help you read this word of God and help you live this word. May you find people, even in your career, that will help you. Do you know to be a child takes humility? To be a child takes humility. To be fathered, in other words, takes humility. Nobody wants to father anybody that is not humble. To be fathered requires for you to say, I just don't know. I need help with how I can do this. And then you find some fools that say, you know, I know my problem. If you know your problem, why are you still in the problem? Does it make sense? You know your problem. If you know your problem, you should have a solution for your problem. If you don't have a solution for your problem, you don't know your problem. And so many of us are stuck. Not because there's nobody to help us, but because we're not humble enough to say, I'm stuck. May 2020 be the year that you're going to say, I'm going to find some fathers. I'm going to find some mentors. I'm going to find some coaches. I'm going to find people that are higher than me that will help me to move on up. What is this fathering about? We said, number one, we are fathered by following. Number two, we are fathered in Scripture. We are fathered in Scripture. Watch verse number 14. It says, but as for you. Now, I want, again, for you to watch the contrast, right? In verse number 10, it says, you, however. Number 14, but as for you, contrast again. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. What should you do? Is there a new revelation? No, no, no. You continue in that which you have learned, that which you have firmly believed. You must continue in that. Knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, 
at the, at, in, at, in chapter number one, he has already said that the, the faith that is in him, in, uh, in Timothy, is the very same faith that he saw in his mother and his, grandfather, and his grandmother. In other words, there, there has been this heritage of faith that is coming from his family. Do you know the place where we're grounded in our faith is actually supposed to be in the family, in our families? It is the duty of Christian parents to ensure that their children are rooted in the ways of God and are moving in the ways of God. Your children should get born again with you or by you. You are the ones that are supposed to share the gospel to your children and so that your children are born again from your house. But if you're not living the faith, how will they get born again? So he says, for you, Timothy, I know, I know that you, you have a heritage of faith. And I want you to remember the things that you, you have learned, the things that you're grounded in, knowing from whom you have learned, from your parents, from your family. But also, Paul is also referring to himself that I have taught you. And so you know these things, you know me, that I'm, I'm the person that has taught you these things. And so he says in verse number Number 15 there, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. So the sacred writings, what does he mean? He means the scriptures. The scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. To make you wise for salvation. See, wisdom and knowledge are different. Knowledge, you know. Wisdom, you act like you know. Because it is possible that you know, but you don't act like you know. How many of us know that you need a budget? How many of us know you need a budget? How many of us actually keep a budget? Knowledge, wisdom. Right there. Right? And so, he says, the scriptures are going to make you wise for salvation. In other words, they're going to lead you in the way of salvation. And watch what he says next, a very profound statement, verse number 16, which is a memory verse for you all. You must memorize verse number 16 and verse number 17. I mean, remember all the junk you memorized for your MSCE that you don't even remember? Osmosis, remember osmosis? Right? All, all, all those crazy terms, the first law of thermodynamics, how many of us remember first law of thermodynamics? Probably you don't. Right? Here's something. That you must remember. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Some scripture. Does it say some scripture? Does it say only the, 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 the scriptures that have teaching in them? Does it say not the stories, not the narratives, not the historical accounts? No. It says all scripture. So all scripture is breathed out by God. God breathed it out. In Genesis chapter number 2, we have the creation of humanity. And the Bible says that God breathed on man and man became a living being. God breathed on man and man became a living being. It doesn't say that of the other animals or the rest of creation. No, it only says that of humanity, of man. God breathes on man and man becomes a living being. See, the scripture is living. The scripture is living because it is breathed out by God. When you read this scripture, my friend, you, you, you are being breathed on by God. Hallelujah. You are being breathed on by God. This scripture is powerful, I tell you. It's powerful. God, when he sends his word, he does not send his word so that it achieves nothing. No. His word, he says, it achieves every purpose that he has sent it forth for. And so for you and for me to be the people that God has called us to be, to move in 
the destiny that God has, has for us, we must be people of the word. Because it is the word that helps us to do what God has called us to do. The word empowers us. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so if you find yourself lacking faith, it's because you're lacking the word of God. When you have faith, Jesus says, as small as a master seed, you say to this mountain, be removed, and it's going to move into the sea. So the hard times that we're having, when we think of January 2020, hallelujah. I, I love January. January brings a lot of people to church. Amen. Tell your neighbor, January brings a lot of people to church. So when you're stuck in your January and you just don't know where to turn to, I'm here to tell you, friend, turn to the word of God. Because this word is living and powerful, powerful to the dead sword. It pierces between bone and marrow. Oh, I tell you, it's a powerful thing. It's breathed out by God. And you know, the last thing that Christians today worry about, Christians would rather hear preaching. Christians would rather be prophesied to. Christians would rather hear some good things said about them. Not the word of God. You got it backwards. All scripture is breathed out by God. And it says, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Who likes to be reproved? Uh, not a lot of people. But that's what scripture does. It's for reproof. It's for correction. And for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. What is it there for? It's supposed to make the man of God or the woman of God, the person of God, to be complete. You are incomplete if you're not in Scripture. You're incomplete if you do not know the Word of God. Interesting. When we write our exams and the kind of books that we read for our exams. Do you know, probably every semester, the reading that you do, every term, the reading that you do for that end of term exam, end of semester exam, is more than the Bible? Did you know that? You read much more. Probably, if you're in school, you probably are reading three, four times the Bible. And yet you say, oh, you know, uh, the Bible, you know, it's difficult to understand. It's like a forest, you know. So you just grab one tree. Some stupid person say that. You know, you just grab one tree because it's a forest. No. It's a story. It starts from Genesis. It ends in Revelation. It's one story. If you don't catch the story, it's not going to make sense to you. If you don't catch the story, it's not going to help you. Because what God has revealed to you about, about how you ought to live your life is in the Word of God. So if you don't know the Word of God, how will God help you? So are you busy running from one prophet to another prophet? Second-hand voice of God. You need a first-hand voice of God. Let that prophet only tell you, in fact, confirm the things that God has already told you. That's the way. So you continue with the scriptures, the things that you have learned. You continue in them. We have a saying here at Kairos, if it's new, it ain't, it ain't true. If it's new, it ain't true. And if it's true, it ain't new. If it's true, it's in scripture. If it's new, you're bringing on other crazy things, adding on to this, mm, 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 mm. you're lying. 
miracle baby how? If there was going to be a miracle baby, it was going to be Jesus. So how can you be claiming all oh, this a miracle baby born in two months time? Nonsense. Oh no, God gives miracle money. Where do you find it? Where? Tell me where. So we are fathered in the scriptures. And I want you to watch this. Paul is not saying that, look, just look to me. Just listen to me. I'm the final authority. No, no, no. Paul is saying, no, it's scripture. Yes, you have followed my life. You have followed the things that I have done. But it's scripture. Scripture is the final judge of what is right and what is wrong. Paul is not using himself as the final reference. See, you and I need to watch out. See, the problem with Malawi, the problem with Africa is the big man. Our reference point is always the big man, is always the authority. We need to come at a point of understanding that no, 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 no. There's everybody is under the law. Amen? Everybody is under the law. The law is king. The king is not the law. Amen? We need to come. In fact, Christians must be the most beneficial citizens because Christians understand the final arbiter, the final judge is the word of God. So not even a man of God, an apostle prophet is above the word of God. In other words, we are constitution keeping people as Christians because we have our constitution. And that's the kind of citizen Malawi needs. One that would say, no, Mr. President, it doesn't work like that. Because our constitution clearly tells us that things don't work like that. You are wrong. How can I be wrong? I'm the president. You are wrong. Amen. You know, there is political implications to your faith. When you come at a point of saying that, look, the final word is the word, and not what pastor says, and not what apostle says, or prophet says, you are on the way of becoming a good citizen when you start applying that to the rest of your life. How are we fathered? We're fathered by following. We are fathered in scripture. And also number three, I wanted to watch, we are fathered in calling, in our calling. See, each and every one of us has a calling. God doesn't make dum-dums. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a destiny. And the final destiny is for the Christian to be a part of what God is doing in the earth and so that we can take the gospel to the ends of the world and Lord Jesus can come to establish his kingdom. To do that, it's not just preaching, my friend. God, who created the whole world, claims every inch of the universe. Somebody said there's not even an inch of the universe that the sovereign Lord does not say, mine, mine, mine. Everything is his. The politics is his. The economics is his. Everything is God's. And so, wherever God has sent you in the banking world, in the medical world, whatever area that God has sent you, God expects you that you live according to your calling. Timothy had a calling. He was somebody that was, they say, an apostolic delegate. Or somebody that Paul, as apostle, would delegate that he would have leadership over churches. Just like Titus was. Timothy was an apostle too. 
And so he's reminding Timothy about his calling. Watch what he says in verse number one of chapter number four. Here's what he says. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Right? So this is a serious thing. I'm charging you before God. I'm charging you before Jesus. I'm charging you before his eternal kingdom. You must preach the word. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Hallelujah. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. He says you must preach this word in season and out of season. Oh, and they're ready to say hallelujah. And when they don't want to come to church, you preach that word. You don't change the word so that you can suit your audience. You do not do that. Amen. Preach the word. What is it that we preach? We preach the word. Oh, seven ways to become rich in 2020. We don't preach that here. We preach the word. And from the word, you get the wisdom for the seven ways to get rich in 2020. But the foundation is the word of God. And so he says, be ready in season and out of season. And here's what you should be doing. He says, you must be rebuking. You must be reproving. You know, I don't like that pastor. You know, he says some harsh things. That's my job. Come on. I'd be failing if I didn't tell you, I didn't call you out on your sin and all the junk that happens. I, I, it would be wrong for me. I mean, I have to, I'll stand before my boss when all this is done. And he's going to ask me, why were you nice and numby-pamby with those people when I wanted you to tell them, to warn them of the destruction that is to come? So for Timothy the preacher, he must preach the word in season, out of season. He must rebuke, rebuke he must reprove. Yes, he says, you must also exhort. You must encourage. So it's not just the harshness. No, it's the encouragement. And he says, be patient. Sometimes I talk to people and we're talking about somebody. And they kind of like say, man, that, I don't know about that guy. I don't know why, I don't know why you're still on to him. Yeah, we should be patient. Have you ever thought about it? For you to be born again, somebody was actually patient with you. Somebody was actually patient with you. And so the same patience that was extended to you, it is expected you shall extend that same patience to other people. And so he says, yeah, here's what you should do. You should exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. He says, here's what you should do too. You must be teaching. The time is coming when these people will not endure sound teaching. The word that is used for sound there is the word where we get our English word hygiene. It's the word hygienos. In other words, this is hygienic teaching. Healthy teaching. In other words, there's some teaching that's not healthy. Some teaching that, that basically just, you know, gets you all worked up, gets you, you know, all excited. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really change your life. He says, no, you teach. Time is coming. When they will not endure sound teaching. But they will gather for themselves teachers that will teach them things that they want to hear. They have itching ears. 
I mean, who, who, who doesn't want to hear that, listen, 2020 is going to be the year you're going to be a millionaire? Come on. Who, who wouldn't like to hear that? 2020 is the year that you're going to get married. Who wouldn't like to hear that? 2020 is the year your business is just, you know, it, it's, it's just going to, to blow up and expand. Who wouldn't like to hear that? He says, that's the kind of people that you have today. Do you, do you know today, if you're going to teach from the Word of God, you're going to have a few people. That's just the way it works. Because, oh, it's boring. It's boring. So I remember my wife telling me the other day, some time back, you know, she gets introduced to, I think she just started working at the place where she works at. And so uh, they heard that, oh, she's my boss, she's a pastor's wife. And so somebody said, oh, so uh, is your kind of church where, you, where miracles happen? <laughs> because if they're not happening, I mean, she didn't say that, but if they're not happening, we're not coming there. We're in a place where there's going to be miracles. That's what people want today, isn't it? People want quick fixes, quick answers. People don't realize that God is after their heart. God is after their character. It's not about the car. It's not about the job. It's about your attitude. God wants to get you to the place where you have the attitude of Christ. And if it means not giving you a child, if it means not giving you a job, if it means not giving you whatever it is that you want, it's going to happen like that because he wants to conform you to the image of his son. That's what he's doing. And so today, hey, and with Malawi, come on. I don't think, you know, I, I think Malawi is fifth world. We're, we're not third world nation. I think we're fifth world. So the challenges of the fifth world already there's a desperation. Quick fixes. So these days are the days where people have itching ears. And you, Kairos member, you need to hear that. Because sometimes you get shaken when you see people living and you start thinking, oh, you know, there's something wrong with us. No, it could actually be that there's everything right with us. We're preaching what should be preached. And so some people don't want to hear that. And that's why they're going somewhere. And here's what you should be doing in gauging a church. Gauge a church by what is done there as far as the word of God is concerned. Get your church by its teaching of the word and its living in the word. That's how you get your church. Not because there's a large number of people. Listen, broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are they that walk in it. That's what Jesus said. Broad is the way. You pack out stadiums and all sorts of things. They're going to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to salvation. And few are they that walk in it. It's very narrow. But with people with itching ears, oh no. They'll think that, oh, you know, my friend went there. My friend went there. Oh, they got a miracle. This happened. There are no miracles here. Do you know not all miracles come from God, right? So Paul says, that's what is going to happen. He says, and they will turn, verse number four, and will turn from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. They wander off into myths. No, the problem with you is that you have a spiritual husband. Problem is a spiritual husband, you have a spiritual wife. Where do you find it in here? Where do you find, show me a spiritual husband, spiritual wife in here. Where? Where? 
Oh no, the reason the things are not going, the reason I'm not getting married is because there's this spiritual husband I have. And so, pastor, you must break that curse. Hey, I break curses that are not even there. Myths. How do we wander into myths? We wander into myths because we don't know the word of God. We are lied to. We are conned because we don't know the word of God. So Paul says to Timothy, listen, you, you, you continue with your ministry. You stick to what you're supposed to be doing. You, you're, you're not competing with anybody. See, here's the problem. Many times we start thinking that we're actually in competition with somebody. Oh, and so that church down the road, they are blowing up. They are growing. Why aren't we growing? Why aren't we blowing up? Uh-uh. They have their rest. We have our rest. Isn't it? Oh, look at the person that I was in college with. Now they've got a great job. Now they're married. Now this and that. How come stuff is not working for me? Run your own race. You have your own race. You come before God. You come before the Father and ask Him, what is going on in my life? And sometimes He'll tell you, I'll put you on hold. I'm preparing you for that promotion. We talk of Joseph, isn't it? Joseph. Slave. Prime Minister of Egypt, did it happen in a day? It took years. Why do you think God is going to do a great thing that's going to happen in a day? That's going to happen in a month. Why do you believe that liar that tells you in two weeks time you're going to be a millionaire? Thus says the Lord. That's nonsense. That is nonsense. The way you make money, you work for your money. God will bless the work of your hands. No, if you just sow this seed, there's going to be a thousandfold multiplication. Ah, here's a story you're never told. There are people that go there that have lost their businesses. And they've actually gone back to the old church that they said it was a cold church. They're back there in that cold church. Do you know? They are there. Please sit down with them and ask them, what happened? I thought you said that's a powerful place. Sit down with them. They'll tell you. You run your own race. You have your calling. And your calling, the one that determines your calling, that can show you how you can run in your calling, it is God. The one you must get close to is God. The one that you should get wisdom from, it is God. The one who wants to guide you, it is God. Being fathered is also being fathered in your ministry. A father will help you stay in your ministry. Theory neighbor number four. We are fathered for the prize. Tell your neighbor, we are fathered for the prize. See, when you forget or when you don't keep the main thing, the main thing, you waste your energies, eh? You waste your energies. You must keep the main thing, the main thing. Is that book for famous book by Stephen R. Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. One of the things he says, one of the seven habits is that highly successful people begin with the end in mind. When they're beginning, they have the end in mind. For the Christian, the end is the coming of Jesus. The end is the reward you'll get for serving Jesus. That's the end. And so Paul now starts encouraging Timothy to look to the end. Watch what it says in verse number 6. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. 
uh, Paul, I, I, are you catching a plane? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to get killed. Paul knew he was going to die. Some of us, if we're to be told that, listen, you have six months to live. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, that would be the end of us. He knows he's in jail. He knows he's going to be killed. In fact, he gets killed by Emperor Nero, who burnt up Rome because he didn't like the way Rome looked and wanted to, you know, renovate it or something like that. And so he decided to start a fire and went out of the city and blamed the Christians on it, for it, and then started persecuting the church. And Paul died, it is said in church history, that he died during that persecution. So he knows. He knows what's coming. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says, as far as I'm concerned, I have done everything that I need to do. Here's my question to you. What is it that you need to do in life? What has God called you to do? Because only when you know what God has called you to do is when you can say, oh, I have finished the race. I have fought the fight. Because you know what the fight is about, isn't it? Some of us, we have no idea what the fight is about. We have no idea what the race is about. We have no idea what, the, uh, what our vision in life ought to be. Why did God create you? Why did he create you? Why did he give you the gifts and the talents that you have? Why? What are those for? You see, to the extent that you can say, this is what he created me for, to the very same extent you can say that I know I have reached the purpose for which he created me for. Paul knows his limits. He knows that right now, it's time to exit. Hey, African presidents need this lesson, isn't it? Right? Don't you think so? He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says, henceforth there is laid out for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He says, listen, right now what I'm waiting for is my prize. There's a crown that is waiting for me. For all the toil that I have done, for all the suffering I've gone through, for all the sacrifices I have made, I know, I know there is a God in heaven who is going to reward me. Do you know, my friend, there's payday? There is payday. Payday. In fact, January, I tell you, January reminds you, makes you think twice. When is, in fact, not just twice in the month, but many times through the day. When is payday again? When is payday Am I the only one or maybe the, the, are there others in here too that January reminds them many times in a day when is payday? Why payday? Oh, payday is when you get paid. Payday is when all your toil, all your sacrifice, all your work gets paid for. And that's the day that the Christian must look forward to. The day that Jesus Christ returns. Listen, as Christians, we're living our lives according to his second coming. When he comes back, he's not going to ask us, so how many cars did you buy? He's not going to ask that. How many degrees did you have? No, he's not going to ask that. He's going to be asking in terms of our faithfulness to our calling when he comes. And when he comes, he's going to award us. You're not serving God in vain. You are not persevering in vain. You are not foregoing that bribe in vain. 
Every time that you do that, you are representing Christ. You are living for your calling. And every time you do that, there is a reward that you should remember God has for you. See, that's what we usually forget. We forget there is a day when the world will end. There's a day when Christ is coming back. There's a day when he'll judge the living and the dead. That day is coming. And we live our lives according to that day. If you do not live your life according to that day, friend, you can play around, mess around all you want. But on that day, he's going to ask an account of the gifts, the talents, the resources that he gave you. What did you use that for? I gave you money. What did you use the money for? I gave you influence. You could have talked to people. You could have influenced people in the way they think, the way they do things. What did you use that for? Oh, no, I used it to cash in because, you know, I'm, I was out to get paid. I was out to get mine. Yeah, because, you know, I, I, I don't think that, you know, there's this thing of uh, I'm going to get paid later on in the sweet by and by. Yes, friend, in the sweet by and by is where the crown is. All the things that you can get down here, they will rot. Your latest phone today, six months later, I'll tell you there will be a phone with twice the specs, better specs than the phone that you have today. Oh, but this is the latest car, whatever. Yes, today it's latest car. Give it another five years. In fact, another ten years. When you want to import into Malawi, MRA will tell you we'll charge more tax. Because it's too old. It's going to mess up our pollute our air and there we are running after the latest it's not about the latest it's about the greatest it's about this Christ that is going to award you and when you live your life you must live your life with that perspective there is a day when God is going to come and that day I want him to award me my prize I want to be faithful today. I want to be a faithful business person, a faithful singer, a faithful whatever. Because I know on that day when he comes back, he's going to award me my crown. See, fathers, help us to put things in perspective. To make the first things first. To measure in the measures. To start, to begin with the end in mind. Somebody said, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined life is not worth living. In other words, if you're not examining your life, if you're not checking your life and stock taking in your life, where am I at? Where am I at? Where was I? Where do I want to go? If, if you don't do that, your life is not worth living. In fact, the truth is, many of our frustrations is because we have no sense of progress, no sense of moving forward. Why? Because we have never sat down and said, this is what God has called me to do. These are the things that I need to do, and I'm going to pursue those things and align everything in my life so that I get to those things. If one does not do that, one will always live on the same level. And the sad part is to live on the same level and be lying to yourself. But because you have a new car, a new whatever, then you're living on the next level. It'll take a father. It'll take somebody on a higher level than you to help you to move from that level to the next level. And here's what it also means. You must take somebody on a lower level to get them to the upper level. 
the call to fathering is a call to us all. Because all of us can father somebody at some level. And I believe too, when we take that seriously, God also extends his blessing upon us. I want to challenge you this year. Look at your life. Look at the different issues going on in your life. Be humble enough to say, I need help there, I need help there, I need help there. Find somebody that will help you in those areas. Also look at your life or look at the people around you. Look at people that have go are going through things that you went through and help them because that's how this thing moves forward. You can't only get in without getting out. You get constipated, isn't it? So you receive and then you pass on. That's the way this thing works. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.